Hi, Calling family. This is Pastor Michael, and welcome to our church podcast. I'm so grateful for you tuning in today, and I believe today's message is going to strengthen your faith in Jesus. The title of my message today is The God Who Sees Me. The God Who Sees Me, or Jehovah El Roi. It almost sounds like Jehovah Rohi. Say Rohi. Right, we're talking Hebrew now. Before I took my vacation, I preached on Jehovah Rohi, which is the Lord is my shepherd. Psalms 23, verse 1. I preached about it. It was awesome. A message to me. You got to look at, at that on YouTube. All of our messages are on YouTube, all right? But this is not Jehovah Rohi, all right? This is Jehovah Rohi. Say Rohi, all right? This is the God who sees me. The difference between the Jehovah Rohi is that God is your shepherd. He's always guiding. Why, isn't this, isn't this encouraging? God is always taking you from something and leading you to somewhere. Come on, somebody, all right? He, he's always guiding you to where you need to be and when you need to be there. God put a destiny and a purpose in your life, and he is a shepherd. He is guiding you as part of his flock. Isn't that good news today? No matter where you find yourself at, no matter what you're going through, you can trust that God is always guiding you. To, to glory in Jesus' name. But today we're talking about Jehovah Roe, which is God who sees me. This morning I want to teach you from the subject that God sees you. God sees you, Micah, Uriah. God sees you, Gabriel. God sees you, Thomas. God sees you, Daniel. God sees, although he died for the world, and God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for everyone to have the opportunity to have salvation. Watch this. I know at times we think, man, well, he did it for them. But watch this. He, does, he did it for you right here in the seats. Come on, someone. This morning, God wants you to know that he sees you where you're at. More importantly, God wants you to see, get this now, he wants you to see that he sees you. I know that sounds confusing, but soak this in. God wants you to see that he sees you. I will never forget the time that, I know I've shared this story before, kind of hurt though, it's a, it's a real story. I will never forget the time that I went to a junior high camp, all right, and back in 2009, 2008-ish, and I remember I seen the most good-looking woman I'd ever seen in my life, I remember this woman had beautiful uh, uh, brown hair. Her smile glowed. I remember we, she volunteered at the junior high camp. I volunteered at the junior high camp. And I never did Christian dating before because I was lost and I was a fool. Come on, somebody. All right, I was from the hood and, you know, all that before beat Jesus. And I never did Christian dating. And now I saw this woman. I'm like, man, I need her to notice me. You know what I'm saying? Come on, y'all. You dated before, all right? I need her to notice me. So I would try to get in her purview and her peripheral, all right? I would try to get her to see me. I remember when there was the, the, the kids were playing dodgeball in junior high school. I tried to be just get right next to her but the thing about it that summer uh that summer that summer camp is that not one time did this woman notice me not one time and I was doing my best to get her to notice me all right I was trying to just you know do whatever I can make sure my hair was combed extra good all right make sure I had lotion make sure I look good you know what I'm saying to make her notice me I want to let you know right now that you don't ever, theologically and biblically speaking, that you don't ever have to get God to try and notice you because he's the Lord Almighty and he sees you right now where you're at. Come on, somebody. All right. A few months passed. I remember that I just 
I, you know, honestly, because I never lived at that point in time at 21, I just, I just lived wild. I never did Christian dating, Christian so forth, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I didn't want to force myself on, on this beautiful lady. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep pursuing the Lord and God in his timing will provide for me all of that when the right time is right. Come on, somebody. So there's hope for you today. If you're looking for a husband or a wife, trust God and his timing. He will provide. Somebody say amen. I'll never forget, I, I went to serve, and I had an empty seat next to me. And uh, months had passed. Here comes that same beautiful, good-looking, uh, dignified woman sat next to me. And she asked me one question, and the rest is history. We were getting briefed about what to do at this event that we're serving. She looked at me, and she said, what are we doing today? That was cute. That was my point of entry. And she has never stopped looking at me since. Her name is Corrine Catherine Alfaro. Come on, someone say amen, all right? God is good in his timing, all right? She noticed me. She noticed me, and that meant the world to me, all right? Reminds me of a story of a young pastor who took over uh, a, a former senior pastor's church, he had a stroke and he didn't make it. He actually ended up passing away and the board and the church and the senior pastor's wife had believed in this young man and they asked this young man, we think that you're the right person. You're appointed and anointed to lead this church. Well, time ensued and he became, became the lead pastor and he just felt like people were talking smack about him all the time. He felt like staff kept putting him down. He felt like he just felt like he wasn't able to complete the call that God had for him at this particular church. And he, one day he just got so tired. He said, God, I don't, I don't think I got this because people are saying things. I don't know if I can handle this. And I just don't know if it's right. Well, one day he called the board. He called the senior pastor's wife, the people who had chosen him. And he said, look, guys, this thing, these things are happening on the external. And these things are happening on the internal of me. I just don't think I could ever feel this man's role. And I can never fill this man's shoes I don't think I got what it takes they looked at him and they paused for a moment and they said we know you are exactly the person uh, and during this time he was questioning God because you know when you're in moments of heat and, and difficulty and challenge you start to say God are, are you sure that you made the right choice are you sure that you did the right thing how many of you know that when you go through challenge God are you sure are you sure and so when he was sitting there with the board members and the, the senior pastor's wife, he said these things to her. And they looked at each other and they looked at him and they said, we know, we know that you, although this time is hard, we know that, that you are the one that God called for, to this church. She said, this reminds me of something. She says, you wear a size 8, right? And he goes, yeah. She goes, yeah, I wear a size 8. She goes, my husband had, had told me to give you these 300 boxes of shoes Check the size. They were size eight. And from this moment, he knew that God was seeing him. He saw that God saw him. And that was the affirmation and the validation that he needed to take over the church. Because sometimes when we're in a hunch, when we're in a challenge, we want to see that God sees us. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? We want to see that God's not that you just see the neighbor, not that you just see the guy, the other guy who prays and loves the word, loves the Lord. And but God, do you see me? And God, I want you, I want to see that you see me. I want your validation and acknowledgement that you know not just me, but you know what I'm going through this morning. Come on, anybody out there today? I want to let you know I'm so fired up about this message. God sees you and he loves you 
and he cares about you. Maybe you've been working at your job and your boss doesn't notice all the good you've been doing, doesn't really consider the time you put into projects or think twice about the value you bring to the workplace, but you sure wish that they would notice you, that they would see you. Maybe you're married today, you're married to a husband or a wife and your spouse doesn't quite notice you. You, They don't understand you. You feel unfelt, unappreciated, and disregarded. Maybe you grew up without a father or a mother and you constantly project on God because you feel that they did not see you. God does not see you. You face rejection in your life and you feel like you are not seen today. Am I speaking to anybody online or in person this morning? After being in ministry for over a decade, I have realized that people just want to be seen. People want to feel felt, loved, and cared for. This is why I signed up for the ministry, because I once, like Hagar, have experienced feeling invisible, feeling rejected, and broken, and disregarded. But I'm so grateful for our Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ, who took me up from my lowest moment when people threw me away. He picked me back up. He seen me despite all my baggage, loved me, saved me, sanctified me, justified me, and called me to his, uh, to his purposes and his plans. That's where you say amen. All right. I want to tell you this this morning as well, that when God sees you, he's not big brother, that when God sees you, He's not a surveillance camera. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I saw that. You did that wrong. Bop, I'm going to bop you on the head. God is not looking for an opportunity to harm you or hurt you. God isn't the father that maybe you had growing up to just watch what you do wrong, to constantly see how much you mess up and slip up in your life to just, just, to, just to correct you. That is not God. Someone here today is thinking that way, that God is out to get you. My, my friend, God loves you so much, he gave his one and only son for your life, who was scourged, beaten, maligned, broken, without any sin, so that you can have newness of life today. He loves you, has compassion for you, so know that he doesn't see you through the lens of a, cam- a surveillance camera, like a security camera, but God sees you today, all of us today, the world today through the lens of grace and mercy and compassion and unconditional forgiveness and love. In that good, I want to serve that kind of God. I want to know that kind of God, and I want to be built up by that kind of God today. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. You guys out there today. Some of us today, we just think that God is always out to get us. And let me tell you, there's nothing more then the devil would love to tell you, and he would love to tell you who you are not. Oh, you walked in here with that probably today. You are not this, but watch this. God is constantly trying to tell you whose you are and who you are. Come on, someone. Amen. I'm going to preach more about that next week, about baptism. All right. The devil wants to constantly distract you. Let me tell you, the devil is real. We give him too much credit sometimes. He is real. He ain't all that powerful. God is much more powerful. When it comes to God and the devil, it isn't the exorcist movie. Who's going to win, the, 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 the demon or the priest? It ain't, the Bible says that God casts out demons with his pinky finger. It ain't no competition. No one measures up to our God. Come on, somebody. Amen. The devil always wants to, so what he tries to do is deceive you and distract you away from who God says you are and what he thinks about you. 
And I'm here to tell someone today that God is going to break a stronghold in your mind, that you are a somebody, that you are a head and not the tail, that God ha- can make something out of your life, regardless of what you, where you come from and what you've done in the past. You're not a result of your mistakes. He sees you through the eyes of compassion, love, and mercy, and mercy today. How can we know this? I'm not just spitting out feelings here. We know this because it's biblical and it's deeply theological. In fact, Hagar was, uh, she was a peripheral character on this scene. It was actually, which is a whole other message, it was actually through the impatience of people who were following God, decided to do something that was nothing to do with God, and brought her into the picture. Now she's pregnant, and now she's like, Sarah, this is my baby. This ain't your baby. Look what you've done, and you're impatient. Do I have any impatient people here today? Come on, y'all. I don't know about y'all, but I have two hands. I am impatient, all right? You got to remember, it's another message for another time, that God's promises require patience. Patience and may the Holy Spirit comfort you while you wait. He will, never, he will never give up on his word. God's word is always certain. But my first point today is this. Anytime you feel unseen by people like Hagar, always believe. Say always believe. Always believe and trust that you are seen by your heavenly Father Regardless of what anyone, anyone in your life, right now, I'm speaking to a few people online right now and in person, you feel unacknowledged, you feel unseen, in fact, you feel like a ghost. You're wondering, does God even see you, all right? But watch this, today God sees you, he acknowledges you, he validates you, and he affirms you because, he, because you belong to him. You are not invisible today. Come on, somebody say amen, you out there? I've battled rejection my whole life. Pastor Michael has battled rejection my whole life. Whether it was on the baseball diamond, whether it was at the home place, at the workplace, all right? Whether it was and hurt the most, honestly, at, at church, people, I have been rejection, rejected. And watch, this is something I have had to work on my whole life. But you know what? As I've grown up in my life and as I've grown stronger in my faith, it don't matter a hoot what man thinks about me because I know what my God says about me. So that's how I can move forward in my life and in my faith. Come on. Can I say hoot in church? I don't know. That sounds old school. All right. So whatever, and that's the thing. Right now you're caught up. You're caught up on what your dad said to you, and it hurts. You're caught up on what your former pastor said to you. You're caught up on what you're coached, and you're a grown-up man. You're a grown-up woman, 35, 45, maybe 50 years old, and you still can't get over what they said. But it don't, give, it don't matter what they said about you because it matters what God says about you. You move forward in that. Come on, somebody. All right? In Jesus' name. At the church, our, our number one value is people. We are passionate about people. And honestly, because I've had brokenness in my life and I've been rejected in my life, I know what it feels to hurt. And I want, a ch- I want this church, I honestly, it sounds weird to say this, but I want this church to fill up with broken, rejected, disregarded, people feeling like ghost kind of people because God wants to use people who feel insignificant to teach them that they are significant, purchased by the blood of the Lamb to do something significant with their life and in this life. That's the kind of church 
that the calling church is. Somebody out there, we are not a church for the perfect. We are not a church for the holier than thou. We are a hospital for sinners and not a museum for the saints. We're here to do work, and that's why Jesus Christ has not come back yet, all right, because we still got work to do in this crazy world. Right now, right around maybe just a mile radius, one mile radius, there is there is all kinds of brokenness all around us. Divorce, pornography, drug use, cocaine. There is broken relationships, broken generational curses. But we're here to do something on behalf of Christ in the name of Jesus. Why? Because God sees them. Come on, can I get a witness up in this place online? God sees them. And maybe, Christian, you and I need to start paying attention to those who don't feel seen. And maybe that's where God will do his work at the calling church. Come on, someone, you out there, we need to pay attention. Watch this. Do you know that even Jesus was rejected? Do you know Jesus, God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, was rejected and abandoned. You know by who? By his own people. He was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus is not Catholic. Jesus is Jewish. Jesus wasn't born in Rome. He was born in Jerusalem. You, you guys follow me? Sometimes we, we get that confused. He was sent to that which was his own. But watch this. That which was his own did not receive him. So Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected. And watch this. He died and rose again to see the unseen. Come on, someone out there today. So he, 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 he acknowledges Hagar. Who, who is not anything to do with his promises. He acknowledges her because she was treated badly. And God, because God is a just God, he comes to Hagar and has compassion on her and loves her. I also want to say this. He didn't just see Hagar for who she was. But as she, he, God also acknowledged Hagar's situation. Not only does God see you today, but watch this. He sees what you're going through. Ooh, someone here has been telling God, <clears throat> do you see me? Do you see what I'm going through? These finances, this family drama, this brokenness in this world, do you see what I'm going through? And I want to declare to you, I'm praying over you this week, that you will see that God sees you. Come on, somebody. That you will see, because God wants to have an encounter with your life, that you will see, Gabriel, Thomas, Monique, uh, Steve, that you will see that God sees you. And let me tell you, that that is going to revolutionize your life. That is why it's in the Bible. It's a revelation of who God is, an attribute, a characteristic, that he is Jehovah El Roy, the God who sees me. That's why when we go through challenges and brokenness and difficulties in life, when we're going through the heat of day, all right, we, can, we don't have to deny, we don't have to uh, uh, get down with those circumstances. We could step down in our faith that, and say, God, the God that I believe in is the God that sees me and he sees what I'm going through this morning. Come on, y'all out there today. He knows it. And so watch this. Now, I pray that as, you, as we end the service in a bit, as you walk out and out of here, we still have like a few more minutes, all right, that you would leave here with a faith and an expectation that my God is going to show up in this week in my life because he wants me to see that he sees me. Come on, somebody. He wants me. He's going to acknowledge. Or I'm going to see him acknowledge me and affirm me. 
honestly, to be honest with you, I, I grew up with a dad who was kind of in and out of my life. And part of my brokenness was that all I wanted in my life from my father was just a head nod. All I wanted was just a look of affirmation. All I ever wanted from my dad was just an attaboy. Because some of us have never received that affirmation. We've never received that validation. We've gone out there in the world and tried to be validated in different ways. But God doesn't want you to be walking around with that brokenness no more. Because your heavenly father sees you, he acknowledges you, and he affirms you. So you can live a healthy, uh, amazing life with purpose and his plan this morning. Come on, y'all, y'all out there. He sees you, and he sees what you're going through. There's, there's something I've been dwelling on in this scripture that just, like, hit me. Sometimes when you read the scripture, there's something a little more within the text. And I'm going to read it to you today. It says this, when, Hag- when the angel of the Lord, and by the way, they say this is a Christophany. They think that this is a pre-incarnate Christ showing up. We don't know that for sure, but some believe that. Verse says this in verse 7, Hagar, she's so badly mistreated, she's so badly wounded by Sarai, she don't know what to do, but what she does is she runs away. Someone here this morning, you're thinking about running away from your faith. Someone here this morning, you're thinking about running away from your marriage. Some of you today, you're thinking about running away from your career because things are not going the way you hope. Things are not going the way that you planned or even prayed for. But look what God does. He shows up to Hagar even though she does run away. And watch this. She runs away in the heat of the desert, pregnant, and God shows up to her. And look what he says. Watch this. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. Many people believe, actually this is factually true, Shur was actually Egypt. It was northeast of Egypt. So what she was doing was she was going back. Say, go, say back. She was going back to Cal... No, I'm, just I'm not going to say that. She was going back to, uh, to Egypt, all right? And he said, Hagar, watch this. Hagar, say Hagar. Slave of Sarai. Watch this. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Now I just sat with this text. I, mean, I just folded my arms and just looked at this text. I'm like, Jesus, you're saying something to me and to this church through this text right here. Sometimes there's something more deeper within the surface of the words, all right? And I just marinate. God is asking Hagar a question. Where, where have you come from? And where are you going? You know what's bizarre about that? You know, God don't need to ask no questions. Do you understand this, y'all? You know why? Because he's God. There's no answer that he don't know. He, he knows everything. He's the all-powerful, omnipresent, omnipotent um, uh, 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 God. All right? Omniscient. He knows everything about everything. So why is it that God asks questions? Why is he asking Hagar a question? Why in prayer does he ask you a question? Does he ever do that to you when you're praying? And he says, ask you a question. God does not, not have a lack of knowledge that he needs for anything. But watch this. Because God is asking a question, the, answer, the question is more for you than it is for him. God is asking Hagar, where are you going and where are you coming from? Not because he needs to know. And the Bible says that he sees everything. 
All right? This is why it says this in the text in Psalm 33, 13. The Lord looks down from the earth, heaven and sees the whole human race from his throne. He observes all who live in the earth. He made their hearts and understands everything they do. Psalm 34 says this. The eyes of the Lord, say the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. This is why David says Keep me as the apple of your eye. The Hebrew word for apple means pupil. God, be in the center. Uh, let me be in the center of your pupil. So why is God asking Hagar? Ah, now we're on to something. It's because he's trying to give her revelation of who he is. And in her deepest darkness, in her misery and her pain, instead of continuing on the journey with God and Abraham and Sarah. She wants to go back because she feels so unseen, so broken. She wants to go back to her old life where she was from. I'm speaking to someone today. Oh, I feel it. I'm speaking to someone today. You feel unseen by God. You feel unseen by your kids. Maybe you feel unseen by your coworker or your employer. And maybe you feel unseen in your faith. And you just want to go back to the life that God rescued you from and brought you from. Friends, don't go back to Egypt. God has a promised land waiting for you with milk and honey. You are here for a reason and a purpose. Don't go back. Don't go back. I feel so passionate about that. Maybe you've been a believer for some time and you want to throw in the towel because all hell broke loose in the last two years. But God says, don't go back. We're not doing that anymore. We're moving forward. Something happened in Hagar. We don't know scripturally. All we can do is best is infer. But something happened. Her life got better somehow when it got matched up to Abraham because Abraham was following God's promise and God's will. And God says, Stay, go back to them, all right? I want to encourage you with all my soul today, don't go back to the drugs. Don't go back to the low self-esteem. Don't go back to the baggage and the burdens of what was. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes even being a pastor in the last two years has been such a headache and, such, so, and just kind of miserable, miserable at times. Sometimes I have felt the need to go back, go back. But watch this, I know deep down within the core of my being and in my faith, there's nothing for me there, back there. Come on, somebody, because I have to have anticipation and hope and faith that God has great things ahead of me then and now. Someone out there today, don't go back. Don't go back to that old way of thinking. God has brought you too far. Oh, I'm speaking to someone today. God has brought you too far to go back. Oh, isn't that good? It makes me excited. Come on, somebody. And not only that, not only does God meet her where she was at, acknowledge her and acknowledge her situation, but watch this, part of Abraham's blessing and the promises that were uh, conferred on him now come to him or come to Hagar a little bit. She says, I will make your descendants increase. I will bless your son. And there's some tension here. Just a side note, biblical studies. There's some tension here between Sarai and Hagar. So tension between law, tension between grace, tension between faith, and tension between doubt. Some people believe that this is, Isaac represents the nation of Israel, and Ishmael represents the nation of the, uh, uh, the Arab nations. And there's tension even amongst them to this very day. All right? Don't get impatient because, watch this, uh, it can just malign you and everyone around you. So keep going. God brought you too far. 
I'm going to make my clothes. I don't know if Nick, someone can play something beautiful up here. I'll never forget my first year of ministry. It wasn't too long. It was probably six, seven years ago. It was down the street, actually above the 210 on Rosemead and Foothill. I will never forget that we met in a, a, stu- a, do- a dojo studio. And most people don't know this, but it was the hardest year, one of the hardest years of my life. and was the hardest year in my ministry that God had given me. It was hard because I was battling rejection. I had a dream in my heart to help people who are broken to see the unseen at the calling church. You know, people are attracted to the calling, the name of it. Why? Because people want to pursue what God has for them. They want to feel felt. They want to feel seen. This has been my dream, to preach the gospel, to see people's lives change, to grow up in Christ. But it was, I believe, in my first year, it was the most hardest year. I was tested. People said things about me. People that I loved and cared for and served with in the ministry, they said that I wouldn't make it. They said I wasn't a good communicator. They said Michael Crean will never make it. We don't even count on them making it. We started with nothing. I remember sometimes getting on the pulpit thinking like, man, I'm not sure I can do this, guys. I remember I was just battling a lot of rejection. And then I would go to God and I would tell God, you know, God, I don't think you're in this. I was telling him, I don't think you're in this. I think you might have, you know, I'm not sure, maybe did I hear from you right? You get to that place like Agar, you say, God, I don't think you see me. I'll never forget I was preparing a sermon. And when, when as I do message prep, sermon prep, I study a lot of stories and articles and different things like that. But this one article stood out to me. It was so random. I never heard about it before. It, it just touched my soul. It was, a, it, was called, it was about this tree. I think we have it up here. I think we have it. It's called this tree called the bristlecone pine tree. Check, check that out. This tree is the oldest tree in the entire world. This tree goes back to ancient Egypt and the pyramids. This is how old this tree is. It's actually so important that scientists have hidden where it is. It's in California, and it's in a, a, it's in a preserved national area, forest, so to speak. But they won't let anyone know where it is because they want to preserve it. And it stood out to me because it related with my story. It survived all of these years, and scientists don't understand how it thrived and survived. Its climate and its surrounding, as you look at it, it should have, it should have died a long time ago. But God was encouraging me through this bristlecone pine tree. He was saying, you're going to make it. You got me. Regardless of who, who, who's not for you, you got me. Keep on going. And so I remember preaching about it. I preached about it on a Sunday at, my fir- at the calling, my first year of ministry, because it related to me so much, and it's thriving, and it's historic, and it's amazing. And at this time, like I was saying, I was having a hard time. I was questioning, God, do you see me? Are you in this? A week later was my birthday. I'll never forget. My wife took me to, she took me way out to, to Compton, Inglewood, South Central, L.A. Pastor Ronnie's from South Central, uh, Nacho's from South Central. She took, me to, she took me all the way out there from Azusa to have breakfast. I'm like, this place has to be good, all right? And it was, it was amazing. It was an amazing breakfast. And this particular restaurant, breakfast restaurant, the community donated mugs to the restaurant. Makes me emotional because this was my moment. That's important to me. I remember, never forget, I remember, it sounds kind of, it sounds, sounds weird, but it's, it's for me. And I want to encourage you through it. I remember I got a mug after a week later just preaching this. And guess what was on my mug? Bristle, bristlecone pine tree mug national forest, whatever. And I'm like, Kareem, the mug. And she's like, what about the mug? (laughs) 
I'm like, the mug, God has seized me. I just preached about that. And I'm like, this is, God is, is acknowledging that I can do this, that I got this. He's making me see that he sees me. Man, it just validated me and affirmed me. And I, I got so excited over a, a kind of a dumb mug. <laughs> I asked the waiter, I said, uh, you know, can I have, how, how, what's the deal with these mugs? Like they, they, the community donates them. They just donate them. I was like, can I buy this mug? Can I take it home with me? Because this is so remarkable. What are the odds that I would just, I've never heard of this thing in my entire life. But I believe that God is trying to send me a message that he sees me, that he validates me, that he is in my ministry despite whatever culture says, despite whatever the world is going through, despite COVID, despite attendance, despite whatever it is out there, God is validating me. He is for me and not against me. He wants me to see that he sees me. One of the things that I love right now, and I'll close, is this. I have two children, and they are the joy of my life. Being a father is incredible. I want to be a better father than a pastor and preacher. I want to do that well. I had such a broken life growing up that I want to just be present with them, and I want them to to know that dad is always for them. This morning, and what I normally do with Caleb, I have a two-month-year-old. He's about to be three months and I have a two-and-a-half-year-old who's going about to be three. But right now, I have this thing with Caleb. His, his name is Caleb. And uh, I, when he wakes up in the morning, I just I, I go to his little crib, and I just look at him. And I, may, I intentionally make the biggest smile like this. I just smile. I'm so big. And w- what he's done is, is just awesome. He looks at, right back at me, and he smiles so big at me, and he starts laughing. You know, I want to teach Caleb at a young age, I love you. You belong to me, and I smile on you, and I want you to see that I see you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Our mission as a church is choosing Jesus, chasing freedom, discovering our gifts, and serving Jesus. I have a question for you. What is your next step with Christ? Take your next step today by visiting thecallingla.com. If today's message touched you, we love to partner with you in sharing the hope and the message of Christ. So visit the callingla.com slash give.